0: All right, Maximizers, welcome to Maximize Your Influence. Kurt Mortensen here, Podcast 411, as we take a deep dive in some of the major blunders I've seen, I've experienced, so you don't repeat the mistake. Own up, you're probably guilty of some of these, that's how we improve, that's how we learn some of the things we should have learned in school, because when you maximize your influence, you're more successful you could increase your income. You have better relationships. It'll permeate every aspect of your life. So stick with me. We'll be talking about blunders, mistakes, and things that keep you from getting rich. Some interesting stuff today. But shout out. Hopefully everyone's having a great week. To appreciate your emails that you've sent to Kurt at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Shout out to the Philippines. Did a Zoom call over there. Welcome aboard as we learn the different aspects of bringing more success into our life. Let's jump into it with the geeky scarly article. This one just had an interesting title. 17 Things Keeping You From Getting Rich. (laughs) Let's go through these and see. This is from Kathleen Elkins, BusinessInsider.com and Napoleon Hill. Now, if you don't know who Napoleon Hill is, uh, shame on you. He wrote the book Think and Grow Rich, pretty much a standard first read for those who were starting in personal development and working on mindset. He worked with Andrew Carnegie, the legendary man in business who was very wealthy in his time. Together, they got 500 millionaires together to find out what made them tick, what they had that the average person didn't have, and that's the information in Think and Grow Rich took them over 20 years to do the research, and they went through the different writings from Napoleon Hill and came up with 17 things that keep you from getting rich, or even add 17 things that keep you from success or your goals, whatever you want. So when you look at Take You Grow Rich, it could be about wealth, but it could be about goals. It could be about a variety of things, but they're assuming everyone likes wealth. It's pretty much true across the board, I would assume. But let's go through the 17 real quick and see. First one, not having a well-defined purpose. Yeah, I mean, if you don't have a goal or a purpose, if you don't have a target you're shooting at, if you don't know what you want, you're just going through the motions, uh, yeah, that's going to suck the life out of you. You're not going to be happy, and you're not going to see success. I mean, when you look at successful people, they're laser-targeted. They know their goals. They know what they need to do. That one is definitely true. Lack of ambition, well, we'll put that in the duck category. A quote from Napoleon Hill. says, we offer no hope for the person who is so indifferent as not to want to get ahead in life and who is not willing to pay the price. Yeah, of course. Lack of motivation, lack of ambition. I have to talk about that in leadership training, inspiring the uninspirable. Sometimes that can be a challenge. And if people aren't inspired, have no ambition, it's definitely a challenge. Let's get you a few more. We're not going to go through every one. We'll put the link at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. You can check it out yourself. That's also the home for your Persuasion IQ assessments, a free assessment. 10 quick questions. You get a bonus for doing it. And also you get a physical copy of my new edition of Maximum Influence. Just pick up a little shipping and handling. In fact, that's a spot for anything you need to know about us, additional trainings, and all the links. Let's jump back into it. This one we've definitely talked about on the podcast, lack of self-discipline. And I love what my early mentor said, Jim Rohn, he says, you're either going to have discipline or disappointment. There's really only two things there. He also taught me, do you want to spend a day at the beach or own a piece of the beach? So a little self-discipline. In the previous podcast, we talked about the science of self-discipline, how your self-discipline is actually kind of like a battery that it drains throughout the day. And there are other things that recharge it throughout the day. If you want to check it out, the archives are at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. That would be podcast 335. Here's another one, not taking care of your body. I'll agree 100% with that one. If you're not feeling well, it's hard to do well. Your lack of health can affect relationships, your income, your energy, your self-discipline could cause you to procrastinate, indifference, or even that lack of ambition. Absolutely. And I've always said that exercise... That's one of the elements of taking care of your body, gives you more time. I mean, you sleep better, you feel better, you think better, you'll live longer. So, just something to think about. You're not feeling well, you're not going to perform well. The next one's procrastinating, another one in the duh category. And Hill calls the point he'll cause it, one of the most common causes of failure. And basically, he said, start where you stand, just do it, get past it. And in that same category, lack of persistence. Giving up too soon. I'll add to that one too. And with your persistence, what's a function of your motivation? Are you more motivated by desperation? You have to. You have to do it. You're driven by fear. You're motivated by inspiration, vision, the future, making a difference. When you're motivated by inspiration, your persistence is a lot stronger. Another one we've also covered before, negativity. Because we know that optimists, they live longer. Stay married longer, make more money, have more friends. I think the bottom line here, just to add to this, is that when you're that negative Nancy, I guess that's a scientific term, that mean, venomous, aunt Edna, suck the life out of you type person, nobody wants to be around you. You don't have very many true friends. And one of the keys to success is the amount of people you know that are willing to help you out, that you can work together to take your life and your income to the next level. And when you're negative or mean hard to be around, so pessimistic that you just destroy the energy in the room, yeah, that's going to affect your success and your wealth. This is what I've always loved from Napoleon Hill, lack of decisiveness. Successful people make quicker decisions. Now, the success rate of those decisions isn't that much different than the people that take two years to make a decision instead of maybe two hours to make that decision. But they make them. They're decisive. They don't have time to waste Hemming and hawing, doing more research, doing the analysis paralysis, they make faster decisions. In fact, a quote from Think and Grow Rich, point Hill said, Analysis of several hundred people who had accumulated fortunes will be on the million dollar mark. Disclose the fact every one of them had the habit of reaching decisions promptly. Here's one hanging out with the wrong crowd. You know, one thing I've heard many times, I'm not even sure where it comes from, that if you take your, tens friends, your 10 best friends, their income and averages, that's your income, I'm sure there's a lot of truth to that. Get better friends, hang out with more successful people. Absolutely. And final one I'll cover, and one of the reasons you're here, lack of soft skills and the inability to cooperate with others. (laughs) We know that. Influence, negotiation skills, emotional intelligence, people skills. Those are key factors to your success. Again, I always say it, things we should have learned in school. And I love the quote they have here from Mark Cuban. He's a billionaire and entrepreneur. (laughs) He says, people hate dealing with people who are jerks. It's always easier to be nice than to be a jerk. Don't be a jerk. (laughs) Okay, there it is. Don't be the jerk. (laughs) So that is the article of the week. Take one of those and start learning from that. As we get into listener email, which will get us into our blunder. Oh, boy. Remember, when you use your email on the show, you get access to influenceuniversity.com, home of all the research, all the tools, all of my programs, all in one spot for you. So here's the email. This is Pete from London. That's London, England. Hey, Kurt, I've been listening to the show for over three years. It's dramatically increased my income. I've also been a student of your persuasive presentation program. Because one of the things I love about your show are your blunders. So that means with over 400 shows, you probably have over 400 blunders. Which one would you rank as the top blunders that you've learned from the most? Hey Pete, great email and we'll get you access to InfluenceUniversity.com. Now sometimes we do ninjas, sometimes we do blinges, which we let you choose as a blunder or the ninja, So, but there are quite a few of them. And I'll share the ones that I've experienced, that I've learned from, that are some of the most common blunders and mistakes made by persuaders out there. So great email, great question. Let's talk about it. Let's go through some of these that you could learn from other people's mistakes and even my mistakes, some of those blunders. So here are the blunders, Homer. Don't, don't, don't. So this one was done to me. It was a cold, snowy day. And I was with my business partner at the time and we decided to buy a couple of new Tahos. We needed a write-off. Again, cold, snowy day towards the end of the day. I think the dealership was still gonna be open another 30 minutes, maybe 60 minutes. We're out there looking at these Tahoes, these cars, these SUVs, and no one would help us. I don't know if we were dressed very nice. We were younger at the time. Maybe they just thought we were looking around, maybe we couldn't afford it, maybe it was too cold. I mean, this was two Tahoes, cash deal, probably pretty good for the salesperson, but no one helped us. They sent out the rookie that'd only been working there. A month, and we pick the two we want them, and we finish some of the paperwork the next day, paid for both of them, and done and done. Okay. The blunder here is people tend to prejudge, especially the car industry. They're focusing on the male, but maybe the female is making the buy and decision or doing it together. Big challenge with prejudging. Because when you prejudge, and you might be right 80% of the time. It sucks the life out of you. They're not going to buy anyway. You should treat everyone 100%. Treat everybody you try to persuade. Give them 100%. A, you need the practice. B, everybody you meet can uh, buy something from you or know someone that can. Be very, very careful that you don't prejudge. That is a huge blunder across the board. Another one, I was monitoring a negotiation. I do that quite a bit. I also get to interview people after they've lied to you. have tried to persuade them. <laughs> Because I find out the truth, why they really didn't trust you and why you really didn't persuade them. So I'm at this negotiation, and there was an employee leasing company talking to upper management and the CEO. Now, I was working with the CEO, and I knew they were ready to go. Done deal. They wanted this employee leasing. So this was the final meeting, dot the I's, cross the T's. And the representative says, this is what we can do. And it was, I think it was like 3% of payroll. And the CEO was silent. And a little RBF, if you don't know what that is, that's on previous shows, or you could just Google it. It's basically a built-in frown. And they panicked and said, okay, two and three quarters, we'll adjust this and this. Silence, RBF, whoa, okay, we'll do this. Got all the way down to two and a quarter when the CEO is happy with 3%. I call this blunder self-negotiation. You need to know your numbers. Silence is okay. Don't panic. Don't negotiate with yourself. <laughs> You're going to give away too much and lose the terms, lose money in your negotiation. So don't self-negotiate. Silence is okay. And I guess the next thing we could learn from this too is occasionally RBF can be a good thing. Here's one. I was doing some secret shopping at a timeshare in Cancun, Mexico. I know it was a tough gig and they were going, they were doing their high lactose cheesy things, but this particular timeshare included yachts. You got a percent of a yacht. Now, if you've listened to the podcast before, you know I'm a boat person. I'm like, yacht? Giddy up. And I said, well, can I take it out? Can I drive the yacht? They're like, oh no, you're there to enjoy being in the sun, be with your friends. I'm like, no. and they were just thinking like they were thinking. I'm like, no, I want to drive the yacht. I want to be the captain of this thing. I don't care about anything else. But they didn't clarify And the blunder being here, clarifying a comment with a question. Do you want to drive the boat? Instead of assuming what the person wants, vomiting on them, the thing to learn from this is always try, when they ask a question or have an objection, to have a clarifying question. A lot of times our brain is just wired from school to answer the question, answer the question, answer the question. Dig a little deeper, we call it peeling the onion back. Find out what's really going on instead of assuming what you think is cool and what they think is cool are two very, very different things. This one is on me. I did this one. <laughs> it just came out. One of the 12 laws of persuasion and maximum influence, I call verbal packaging, where how you use your voice can help or hurt your persuasion, but every word you use can attract or repel others. And it can be phrases too. So I was talking about this pretty intense persuasion topic. It was advanced training, okay? So we had seasoned negotiators and persuaders in the room. Someone asked a question and I said, okay, let me dumb this down for you. And they called me out, said it was bad verbal packaging, and it was. And they should have called me out. But that just doesn't empower your audience. It's just not something you should say. This one's also on me. Early on in my training career, just getting ready to come out with my first book, and I was bidding on a training contract. It was for a seminar. I think it was like a two or three-day seminar. I was out of the country for a gold, one of the larger gold companies in the world. We'll just leave it at that. And I really needed this, and I really wanted this, and I bid really low because I really needed this, and I really wanted this. I, okay, I was like drooling. Again, this was the beginning of my career and I came in way too low. Of course, everybody knows you get what you pay for, and that's a red flag. But this person pulled me aside, and I'll be grateful for my whole life on this one. He says, look, we're a gold company. We dig money out of the ground. To be taken seriously, you need to charge more. (laughs) And I did, and I got the contract. What is the blunder here? Your mindset. No, people know you get what you pay for. Only 6% of the things that we buy are bought on price. It's rarely an issue. It's all about return on investment. So, if you're an entrepreneur or even in the corporate world, but especially entrepreneurs, they discount themselves, they discount how much they should charge. So, the training is always decide what you're going to charge. This is for entrepreneurs, especially. Remember, decide what you're going to charge, take a deep breath. Smile, add a zero to it, and go for it. Don't discount yourself. And for a lot of products and services, the more you charge, the more people are going to use it, the more they're going to value it. I know for a lot of weight loss programs, the more they charge, the more success rates they have. Just saying, just put it out there. Something to think about. Are you charging enough? So Pete, our time is gone. I didn't get to all the blunders I wanted to. Maybe we'll continue it next week and see But learn from these mistakes, other people's mistakes, your own mistakes, and that's part of becoming a great persuader. Number one, take one thing from the show and start applying it use it. Do it all week long, and that tool becomes part of who you are. Remember, anything you try for the first time doesn't work perfectly, but get these new tools. Try one for a week. Anything that we've talked about, pick one and try it. You've got to own up to your weaknesses. And identify those so you can improve them. You can't improve them if you don't know what they are. The next thing that's so important is learn to benchmark great influencers, great leaders, great persuaders, great salespeople. See what they're doing well. And start applying those and add those to your persuasion toolbox. And on the flip side, watch the people that use anti-suasion that are terrible and do the opposite. Whether it's watching an infomercial, watching someone trying to sell you, looking at the email, looking at great influencers, that's where greatness comes from. That's where you can really improve. This is a lifetime pursuit. The more tools we can add to your persuasion toolbox, the more successful you're going to be. So there's a few blunders. Let's turn those into some of our strengths. Let's be more aware. Let's learn to benchmark the great persuaders. Let's learn to do the opposite of the anti suaders And an anti suaders anybody that repels you, pushes you the wrong way, makes you want to do the opposite, that is anti suasion, which is basically the opposite of persuasion. And yes, it's a made up word, <laughs> but my kids know, especially my teenagers, like, oh, that's anti suasion. <laughs> they know exactly what I'm talking about. Now, another thing we've been working on is your perfect persuasive presentation. Go to presentationiq.com, take your presentation IQ, 10 questions, we'll identify your strengths and your weaknesses, and I'll give you my free training on how to create and deliver the perfect persuasive presentation. You'll get the format, the template, how to deliver it, all in the training, just for helping me out with my training. Take the 10 questions, presentationIQ.com. Guarantee you'll be well worth your time. So thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Tell your family, friends, and enemies about the podcast. We're going to maximize your influence on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or just go straight to MaximizeYourInfluence.com. If you're into the Pinterest, Instagram thing, it's under MaxInfluence. So let me reiterate, take one thing, apply it in your life, be more influential, become a better negotiator, work on your mindset or self-persuasion, and go out and persuade with power.